Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul White. It's the 23rd day of August. We are going to be in Chapin, South Carolina in two days. This Friday night, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we meet with our friends in Chapin. We do this on the fourth Friday of every month, and uh, we'd love to have you come join us if you're in the Columbia, South Carolina area. This is a meeting we've been holding for several years now. It is growing. It is expanding. It has a bright future. Um, I'm excited to go back over there. We'll be there in two days. Come see us the 25th of August. Of course, we record this. Some of the, I think, some of the most powerful, in-depth, insightful sermons that the Lord gives us have been those delivered at Chapin over the last couple of years. And I get that same feedback from so many of you. So exciting to see what will come out of this one Uh, We'd love to have you if you can be there. Okay, we are in Mark chapter 14. Jesus has moved from the trials that have been held against him overnight by both the Romans uh, and the Jews. Uh, Well, Mark actually just gives it as Jesus facing the Sanhedrin and then facing Pilate. So we haven't actually had the Roman side of this yet. That's coming up in chapter 15. Uh, But on the way, he's leaving this trial with the Sanhedrin. And they have arrested him in the garden, but he hasn't been convicted. He hasn't been condemned to die because the Sanhedrin doesn't have that power. Uh, Pilate has that power, and he can relegate that power back to them, which he will do. But having yet to face Pilate, Jesus has really only faced the accusations of the high priest and the Sanhedrin. The high priest has just torn his clothes and said, what further need do we have of witnesses? You heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And it says they all condemned him to be deserving of death, which means that whole, that whole crowd of chief priests, elders, and scribes. He's yet to stand in front of the public at large. Remember, the sun has yet to come up. The cock has not yet crowed which is coming up in the latter part of the 14th chapter. I'm trying to set the stage because it's easy to forget where we are in this journey, particularly when we're doing this the way we do it, seven, eight minutes a day. Verse 65, Then some began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him and to say to him, Prophesy. And the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. And this is an interesting moment because we are accustomed to seeing Jesus in our mind's eye, being beaten and spat upon and struck and having a crown of thorns crushed into his skull by the soldiers in the praetorium. This is the Roman soldiers after Jesus condemned to die by Pilate. We're used to that. What we're not, what I don't often think of is the fact that the insults and even the physical beatings began here in Mark 14, before he goes to Pilate. So this group of assembled chief priests, elders, and scribes, and I'm using the phraseology of verse 53, the assembled chief priests, elders, and scribes, along with the soldiers that are hired by the temple, they begin to spit on Jesus. Someone sticks a blindfold on Jesus and mockingly tells him to prophesy. And then the officers that arrested him in the gardens garden strike him with their hand or receive him with slaps is literally closer to the Greek. 
And I think that what we can take from this, well, first of all, we can take the, 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 the very vile nature of this trial, but something that strikes me is the fact that Jesus challenged his disciples on the way into the garden to, to buy a sword, and they did. And then when given the opportunity to use the sword, they used it, and Jesus condemned the practice. Put your sword up, permit even this, live by the sword, die by the sword. And I told you that part of the reason why you have to take the sword into the garden in that scenario is so that you realize you don't have to pull the sword. That's easy to say, we shouldn't use swords as long as you don't own a sword. It's kind of like saying, you shouldn't use your power that way as long as you don't have power, or you should spend your money differently until you have the money. And you notice things change when you're the one in power, or you're the one with the money, you're the one with the authority. And I know it's easy to fall into the trap of, well, if I had it, things would be different. And that's the whole, if good people had it, the world would be better, so let's try to get the good people to get all the power. And, and so understanding that you shouldn't draw the sword is one thing, but being able to own it and not draw it is another. Okay, so we've already went through that. What we need to go through now, and I, I want to say this, I, I know I've built rapport with you. You can handle this. You know I'm not being insulting and certainly would never be insulting about Jesus, but it's important to say it jarringly. It's time in a way for Jesus to put his money where his mouth is. <laughs> Remember, Jesus told the, the crowd at the Sermon on the Mount that if a man smites you on the right cheek to offer him your other one as well. That's the famous turn the other cheek passage. In Mark 14, 65, they began to strike him with the palms of their hands, or literally in, the, in our earliest Greek, receive him with slaps. And here's Jesus who has t- built a ministry off of the idea of, if you're smitten, turn the other cheek, but no one's ever hit him. So it's easy to tell everyone that you should turn the other cheek if you've never been hit. But then when you get hit and you have the power to strike back, here's a Jesus who can prophesy. Here's a Jesus who has the power and who then doesn't prophesy on demand because he's not listening to man, he's listening to his father, and doesn't strike back. So it's to me, Mark 14, 65 is an important verse because it gives us an instance where the Jesus who told us to turn the other cheek if we're smitten has the chance to turn the other cheek when he's smitten. And it's precisely what he does. And of course, he's going to do the same thing as we move into the trial post-pilot. And we will get tomorrow into Peter in the courtyard and the famous rooster crowing which I've done a lot of work on in multiple places. I don't want to go too deep into this, but we'll make reference to some things over the next couple of days. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.